Hey everyone, this is Jack here, and this is the third episode of the Off the Beaten Path podcast. So right now, I am wandering through the streets of Parati, which is a little town south of Rio, about four hours, five hours by bus. I My last day in Rio was lovely, <laughs> my last podcast. I ended up going to a little yoga studio that I found, super friendly owner there, and uh, had a lovely yoga class. It was in Portuguese, so made it a little challenging, especially for the poses that I hadn't done before. But I have enough yoga experience where I was able to just look around and follow along. I know most of the poses, so uh, it, was, it was a good class. It was really nice after having that long run to uh, do some stretching. Yeah, and then after that, I went out to a lovely dinner with uh, my friend from Denmark who I met and uh, uh, another new friend that I met at the hostel. Had a really lovely meal, and the next morning, uh, went down to the bus to catch a bus down to Barati. And uh, we were we left a little late for the bus, cut it kind of close. Um, we I think our bus was scheduled to leave at nine, and we got our tickets at eight fifty eight or something like that because of the line and you know some delays in traffic and all this stuff. So good lesson learned for being a little faster to get to the bus. I had a nice bus ride down here and arrived in Parati and killed some time at, until we were meeting up with... So I came down with my friend from Denmark and uh, killed some time before we met up with the owner of a hostel that uh, my Danish friend knew from someone else from Denmark. And so uh, we ended up having to take... So Parati is uh, a small little old fishing village that's kind of become a tourist hotspot for Brazilians from Sao Paulo. And, and elsewhere, who want to come see the coast here. Um, it's really vibrant, beautiful coast. Uh, it's called Costa Verde, the green coast, because it's mountainous and jungly and just really scenic and beautiful. And uh, the hostel that I went to for the past few days is right in the thick of it. It's actually not in the town of Parati. You have to take a boat from there out to this peninsula that's quite jungly on the peninsula. You can't reach it by road, and it's out on the tip um, facing this beautiful turquoise water and this mountains off in the distance. Uh, just a really lovely place. And uh, the the hostel, it, it used to be a resort or maybe a hostel 10 years ago, uh, but it had been overgrown by jungle. And recently this, this new owner from Denmark, he uh, and another partner decided to renovate it and, you know, make it happen. So, it's, it's kind of halfway open. They've uh, renovated some portions, but they still have a lot of work to do. But it is an island paradise. I mean, it is just... It's, it's not an island. It feels like an island, but it's a jungly beach paradise. So cool. Um, they... Uh, one of the places they renovated uh, first were the little single-person chateaus. So I had a nice room with a bed to myself. There's something crazy going on. I think there's a festival in Parati today. I'll try and get to a more quiet spot. Um, okay, that's a little better. Uh, so, yeah, um, what was I saying? Parati, the, the hostel has uh, this little chateau that I was staying at, and uh, it was really lovely. Um, just a little double bed, private bathroom, this whole little building to myself. So that was cool to have my own space for a little bit. And then there was this large common area with a bunch of hammocks. The name of the hostel is Happy Hammock Hostel. Um, so there's a bunch of hammocks around, and it's uh, there's this big open beach area with a fence and 
no, not really any big waves. You can go for nice, you know, peaceful, relaxing swim. And uh, the co-owner of the hostel is a professionally trained chef. So he does all the cooking. And uh, he, I think he spent some time in New Zealand. I mean, was trained in Denmark and French cuisine. Just like a really amazing cook with lots of experience. And uh, uh, I told him, you know, how much I love food and how interested I am in food. And he was all about me coming into the kitchen and helping cook with him. You know, like I said, the hostel sort of semi-open. Um, so it was just, I think, a total of seven of us there the whole time. And I was really the only real guest. You know, it was kind of his friend and a couple other volunteers. And I, I just felt like I was, we, we were all just to get there together. I didn't really feel like it was, uh, you know, I paid some money for rent and food, but it just felt like a bunch of friends hanging out with everyone, even the owner. And he helped, he let me come in there and help cook and showed me some things. And, you know, he's like, well, you do the potatoes today. And I'm like, oh, how about we grab some dill? from the garden and you know at it you know so it was very collaborative and man oh the garden there is insane they you know it's jungly so you have all the sunlight they have a shaded area non-shaded area and they're growing everything tomatoes and 10 different types of herbs habaneros jalapenos we made uh brexmex <laughs> brazilian and mexican fusion food one night and we harvested fresh tomatoes and uh, jalapenos and got some onions from that he had picked up from the market and made pico de gallo but served it with traditional brazilian style stewed meat and this really rich red sauce uh, it was that was blew my mind so uh incredible food the whole time that was the only meal that we had with meat the rest of the food was all vegetarian um and it was really i mean the the chef's experience was just so, so clear. <laughs> you know, he, I, I felt like I had so much to learn from him. I was able to learn so much from him. He, he um, w- one day for one of the meals, he was making a salad and he was like, oh, we should add this Egyptian spice blend that I learned about in New Zealand. It's really lovely. And yeah, so, you know, it wasn't just Brazilian food. It was all over the map and really, really tasty stuff. So, um, I had lots of great food, um, and like I said, it was fun, just, uh, we did some landscaping at one point, just, you know, he was, he kept saying like, oh, you don't have to work, you're not a volunteer, but I'm like, oh, why not? So I picked, you know, we had a big bonfire one night, cooked over the fire, um, just, you know, cleaned up around and, uh, harvested some food, um. There's in addition to the garden there. There's actually tons of wild food that you can eat. Um, I got to chop down a banana tree at one point. Uh, there's tons of wild bananas growing around there, and you, there's always just this big bunch of bananas hanging, hanging around that they've harvested. And uh, you know we were the the ones were ready, but you kind of have to get them in advance so they can ripen once you cut down the tree. So. I went ahead and we found a nice big tree with a huge bunch of bananas, maybe 70 or 80 bananas. They're a little smaller than maybe half the size of what you see in the U.S., but they're much more flavorful, much more concentrated banana flavor. Um, yeah, and so I have this video of me chopping down a banana tree, which is was really fun. You just have a machete, and it's not really a tree with like bark and wood that you think of. It's more like a grassy substance that you can swing in and cut this grass, this like thick grass, and it just starts leaking fluid everywhere. It's very satisfying somehow to chop down a banana tree. So you'd hack away at it, 
and then just give it a little push. And I mean, this, this, when I say a tree, I ca- I'm calling it a tree because it must be 10 centimeters, you know, four inches thick or something like that. Um, yeah, maybe more, more like 15 centimeters, pretty thick. Um, so you just hack away at it for a while and then give it a push and it comes down and yeah, the, give it the machete a swing and chop off the big bunch of bananas. It was really cool. There's other, uh, lots of other wild stuff around there. There's, um, one of my favorite things was these nuts. Um, I don't think anyone knew what they were. We, like, they sort of figured out that we could eat them in the time that I was there. Um, we broke a couple open and they look almost exactly like almonds, maybe a little skinnier. Um, but they're like a better version of an almond, in my opinion. They're, the, the nut is much more supple, soft, and just so tasty. Really, really good. It was a lot of work opening them up, though. So um, we didn't get a ton of them, but the few that I had were just amazing. So, yeah. And they have lots of other stuff that aren't, isn't in right now. They have limes and avocados that grow there, but those won't be ready until the summertime. Um, oh, one thing. So, again, this, this chef is really... I, <laughs> I'm really inspired by him because he, uh, he cooks like I like to cook. Uh, we found these flowers at one point, um, these sort of uh, very fluorescent, nice-smelling flowers. They're like giant honeysuckles, kind of in appearance and in smell. And he's like, oh, you know what? These would be nice in a little syrup. Uh, like, uh, make a syrup out of these. I'm like, okay. You know, so I harvested a bunch of those, gave them to him, and he made this syrup, and it's so good. It's like some of the best honey or, or, you know, just really, really tasty floral flavored sweet substance. So I put it on my toast this morning and yeah, we, it was made it yesterday and, uh, had it for the first time today. So I, I, it's just a, a palette out there of him to play around and grow things and harvest wild things. There's just so many things in the jungly area you can grow so many different foods and all sorts of stuff. And uh, the wildlife out there is really cool, too. There are a bunch of beautiful birds, very fluorescent red and um, just vibrant colored birds. Um, There's this one bird that has this song. It's uh, kind of... We we were joking about it uh, the whole time. Just It sounds like an electronic music, almost. Like, the bird's like... I can't even (laughs) pretend to replicate it. Um, But it has a really... um, a melody that gets stuck in your head. So we would like joke around and fist pump in the air and just sing along. It was great. Um, so yeah, that was, that was cool. Uh, there's iguanas everywhere. They'll run if you try and get close. Apparently there's snakes out there. I didn't see any of them though. Um, and there's a, a couple bioluminescent things. There was a beetle. Uh, they called it a lightning bug, kind of different, I guess, than what we call lightning bugs, but it had these little green spots on its head that stayed illuminate, illuminated at dusk, and they would fly around, and you'd see these just green lights flying around at night, just right at dusk, though. And uh, my last night, my last night there, they were like, oh, you got to come for a night swim. It's so cool uh, because of bioluminescent plankton. So I went out uh, in the water, and... Um, we turned off all the lights. It's really, really dark out there, pitch black. And uh, just swimming in the water, they react to your movement. And these little bioluminescent planktons will uh, have little green flashes every time you, you know, run your hand past them. So you would just see, it was like swimming in stars, just hundreds and hundreds of these little flashing lights as you're swimming through the water. So 
That's so cool. I've never done anything like that. So, yeah, I mean, I, it was an absolute paradise the past few days. I'm so glad that I met this person from Denmark, and he told me about his friend. He's hoping, I mean, it's so serendipitous and cool, but that's, that's traveling for you. You never know who you're going to meet. Um, speaking of that, too, the people that I hung out with there were so cool. So many different backgrounds. Um, you know, you have the two guys who are sometimes speaking to each other in Danish. And then you have the few volunteers there who speak in Portuguese and Spanish. And English is pretty good. And I was able to chat with a few of those people, asking them, you know, what it was like, you know, coming from Brazil. And there was one guy who worked at the border of Brazil and Venezuela and the Amazon for five years and was just like, you know, this like military person. And now he's like tending this garden and he's like gotten away from that world and just how crazy it is. But really just amazing people and just uh, very friendly. Um, there was another guy from France who I really connected with. And there was actually a guy from America too, from like deep South Texas and, you know, thick Southern accent. The first American I've met in my travels. So it's kind of comical, the juxtaposition of all the different cultures and backgrounds that were around. Um, so just a really, really cool time chatting and hanging out in the hammocks and cooking together and swimming in the ocean. Um, I wish I could stay there a little longer, but it is, it's time for me to move on. I'm, I'm heading to back in the mainland of Paraty today. And I'm going to Sao Paulo next. And I have connected with someone there uh, on this app called Couchsurfing who is going to be hosting me. So I'm going to have another local to stay with um, in uh, Sao Paulo. I've never done it before, but it seems like a really great way to connect with the communities there and, you know, see what the local people do. So I'm really excited about it. It should be a lot of fun. So I'm running up on my 15-minute marker for this podcast. My... That's currently what I'm limited at, but I may try and increase that in the future because I feel like there's even more I could say. But yeah, it's uh, I'm doing really great after eight, nine days of travel. Uh, it's <laughs> it seems like it's been so long, but it's only just been the first week of however many weeks I have to come. So uh, I hope if things stay this great, well, that's uh, pretty incredible. So with that, I will sign off. I'll talk to you guys in the next one. See ya.